0: Welcome to Tales from the Albright, a podcast by the Scranton Public Library. Our guest today is Becca Daniels of the Lackawanna County Tintype Project. Hi, Alyssa. Would you like to give an introduction to those that are listening that don't know what the Lackawanna County Tintype Project is?
1: Of course. So the Lackawanna County Tintype Project is a project funded by the Lackawanna County COVID-19 Creative Community Grant, and it's a project where uh, we're interviewing residents of Lackawanna County and taking their tintype and, and recording them. We're posting some of it on Instagram so people can follow, follow along uh, in real time, but we're also working on a book that we'll be able to share with people in the new year that describes a little bit of uh, these people, their stories, and has uh, images uh, some of the tintypes that we used um, for this project.
0: Here at the Memorial Library, a few of the staff, including myself, we had our tintypes taken back in September. How did that partnership develop? Um, I'm sorry, my brain just went photography pun. Oh my God, <laughs> Were you interested in the library and reached out to us? How did that work?
1: Oh, sure. So it's actually yes. kind of funny because. Initially, in the original plans for the project, um, we had plans to reach specific demographics. Mm -hmm. uh, It was really important to the project, from my perspective, that we didn't just interview and tintype, you know, one group of people, not that we would be able to get you know, a re- the most inclusive sample size mm-hmm. we could possibly, because you know we're only interviewing about sixty people, and in a county of two hundred thousand, you know, that's not a lot at all, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was special attention put into who we would be inviting into the into the project. So initially, I started making lists of people who and organizations who I thought would be great contributors. And I remember thinking, the bookmobile would be so cool, and that would also be such a cool type. so uh-huh. my intention was to reach out to library folks at some point in time, but Elizabeth Davis ended up reaching out to us ahead of time, wondering if there was any sort of education component that we could collaborate on with the library. We didn't actually, she she didn't actually ask to participate or anything like that. But the opportunity was there, mm-hmm. so, so we started talking about what it would look like to have some library folks participate. And so that's sort of how it got started. Yeah.
0: <laughs> which is very fun that it just happened organically. Oh, absolutely.
1: Yes. yes. Those are the best moments. Yes.
0: <laughs> so, what inspired the project?
1: Uh, so, I have, it's important to know that I sort of have a background in nonprofit fundraising mm-hmm. um, in grant writing, which is to my benefit as an artist. So I'm always sort of on the lookout for opportunities mm-hmm. to be paid to do my work. As along with many artists, I'm not a full-time artist. Okay. I have a, a day job. So I ended up getting an email and it was through um, through my job at the time. And it was about things like uh, like state and local opportunities specific to Pennsylvania. So I was looking at it for my job and then... It was brought up that Lackawanna County is the only county in the state that has taxes that go directly to artists. And I was like, oh, how interesting. At that point, I had just, it was in the beginning of the pandemic or part of the way through. Time's kind of weird now, uh, so I don't quite remember. But I remember being like, I'm here now. Mm -hmm. There's this wonderful resource for artists. I have to throw my hat in the ring and see... What happens? Maybe they love it. Maybe they hate it. Who knows? Uh, so that's sort of where the idea started. Then I started developing the program. Initially, I was just like, I want to take 10 types of people. That's that's what I love. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm interested in. But I knew that that was not, that, that is not the totality of a project that would be fundable mm-hmm. um, or honestly really interesting. Because then it's like, okay, so you take the photos, but then what happens? Mm-hmm. You know what's what's the purpose of the photos who gets the photo taken there's all these questions that don't have answers so in talking to my friends and other people who I just like sort of value their opinion and mm-hmm. I value their thought and they know how I work etc it came about that you know interview should be part of the process and a dear friend of mine Rosie Jacobson consulted on the interview portion and helped get that off the ground because I, I'm an artist you know I, I interviewing and oral history and stuff like that is certainly not my background, mm-hmm. so I definitely needed some help on that front, and, and we eventually, you know, again, through talking with a lot of people, I'm like sort of a verbal processor in that mm-hmm. way, I came up with this, this idea to, you know, interview about 60 people do their tin types. Initially I was hoping to donate the interviews and the tin types as primary source material. Uh-huh. Um, but that didn't end up working out. So you know in in true 2020, 2021, 2022 <laughs> fashion, uh, I had to sort of pivot a little uh-huh. bit. But it ended up working out really well because initially the tin types would have been held by an organization. Instead, I get to give them to the people who are participating as a thank you mm-hmm. um, for sharing their story. And, you know, I get to make this cool little book and we're going to have like a gallery show and it's going to be sort of a uh, an expanded vision from when it started, which is exciting as well. Yes.
0: Yeah. And it's a great snapshot of the current moment too.
1: Yeah. That's really what, to be honest with you, I didn't, I that was sort of part of what I was thinking when I wrote the application and I created and I created the Lackawanna County Type Project but it didn't really click for me until a couple interviews in. Actually I think it was the, it may have been the library interview because I think someone had mentioned the the power of talking to people about things that are difficult while that difficult thing is still happening and I remember that just that just struck me in a big way because I know at least for myself I know that after big things happen I have this way afterwards of compartmentalizing them and mm-hmm. developing a story to talk about the thing. Yes. But we sort of reach people before they could really do that. Mm-hmm. And so like you said creating this sort of time capsule. And hopefully in the future like people will be able to know more about the people in this area, know more about what was going on like living through a pandemic mm-hmm. is a thing it's a whole thing. Yes, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's, I don't know if we all realize
0: that. Yeah, it's a major life-changing event yeah. between mentality, philosophies, mm-hmm. just personal growth, mm-hmm. everything.
1: Yeah, and I mean, we really saw that in the interviews. We saw people say, you know, it helped them understand what was important. Mm-hmm. It, it it provided them the motivation to do the things that they didn't think. Or that they thought maybe they could do another time, Mm -hmm. they'd get around to it, and you know, you so you sort of saw the roots of this big fundamental life change. But yeah, it was sort of raw and in the moment for a lot of people, Mm -hmm. which was, um, which I don't know, sort of the context of right now. I think that over time it will sort of evolve and we'll understand more. But at the end of the day, just it's just really interesting how much the ground under our feet were changing as this project was unfolding Mm -hmm. as I'm going back and sort of listening to some of those interviews in preparation for the book that's really coming across to me and I really love it.
0: Yeah, it's definitely going to be a unique picture. Yeah. Because I'm sure you can also trace um, what part of everything we're in Mm -hmm. based on the interview timeline as well.
1: Sometimes and I think one of the big things that I and this is just a personal observation Mm -hmm. and also it's a personal observation but it's also like a duh, Becca, like people process things differently. Mm -hmm. And of course I knew that, but like to see it sort of happen in real time. And you know, in some interviews, people just had no interest in talking about the pandemic at all. And like, that's fine. Mm -hmm. It was really important for the interviews. Only things that the interview, the participant wanted to talk about were talked about. We're not investigative journalists. We're not looking to get anybody. We're not, we're (laughs) not looking for the next hot headline. So, yeah, it was just really interesting to see how some people just really wanted to dive into, like, the hard stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and tell us about all of that. And then some people were just like, no, nope. I will tell you about my family. I will tell you about these facts that I know that mm-hmm. are concrete. But yeah, like, of course. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it it's funny that I was like, oh.
0: <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I know when we were doing our interview... It was very open-ended questions. Mm-hmm. Like you could take them in any direction that you really wanted to. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: So now I wanted to move on to tin types themselves. Cool. What is a tin type for those who may not be familiar with the different types of photography mm-hmm. and the evolution of photography through the years?
1: Tin types are the way that they made photographs in like the 1860s, 1870s. Mm-hmm. sort of went out of style by 1900. So it's very, you know, it's very real that you may have lived your entire life and not heard the word tintype, seen one. We even had a participant say like, oh, I actually only know what a tintype is because of Red Dead Redemption, which I thought was really charming. (laughs) Um, But anyway, all that to say, uh, tintypes are an old style uh, photography. A photograph is made directly onto a piece of metal it's a positive process, so there's no negatives. That's one of the reasons why I really like it because they end up being like objects mm-hmm. and less like, you know, images that you can get copies made of. Obviously, you can scan them and sort of print out copies, but it, it's a different thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And today, you know, there's, there's not a lot of utility for this type of photography. It's very cumbersome, it, it takes a lot of work, it takes a lot of, a lot of different chemicals. A lot of different equipment, but the trade-off is that you get this wonderfully unique image that will outlast all of us. You know, I think a lot of people can, you know, they'll get something printed, you know, at Walmart, CVS, something like that, something from a digital printer mm-hmm. maybe. And you know, after five years, they start to see it fade. It starts to get. Tin types don't do that because they're just made during a different time, mm-hmm. and they they're just a different kind of thing. But I don't know. It's, it's a sort of exciting, weird, and, and different uh, way to take photographs compared to modern photography.
0: Mm-hmm. So was the unique lasting ability of the tintypes the mm-hmm. reason why you kind of chose to go that direction instead of a more modern process?
1: Um, well, so honestly, in the project, I just love tintypes, and that is like my medium of choice <laughs> at this point, <laughs> Yeah, so that's why I chose that. But yeah, part of it was that. like, Part of it is that you know it's not just me taking a digital photograph mm-hmm. of you, which honestly if i took a digital photograph or if anyone took a digital photograph of them i'm sure it would be beautiful but it'd be different you mm-hmm. know and for me the thought of memorializing this like weird and wacky time with this like object that can then be passed down for like generations and then like a hundred years someone can be like oh here's you know aunt sue who lived through a pandemic and was, you know, maybe they say she was in a future project, maybe not. Maybe here's just a weird photograph yeah. of her, you know? <laughs> I, I don't have any... Uh, some of the people that we spoke with, they, they were like, oh, yeah, I have, like, these kind of photographs, like, that were passed down, mm-hmm. and I don't have any of those in my family, so the idea that I get to take these images and give them to people and then they can pass them down, that that gives me some joy in some yes. ways. Like, it's very charming to me.
0: Yeah. Could you possibly speak to the difference between daguerreotypes and tintypes? Because I know a lot of people get the formats confused, so they know what they're getting if they're very interested in collecting old photography. Mm
1: -hmm. So yeah, you're right. There's a lot of sort of confusion between the two mediums. And to be clear, this is to the best of my knowledge. In general, daguerreotypes were the predecessors of tintypes. I don't think daguerreotypes were like, super popular for Mm -hmm. very long because it's just in the same way that you know tin types amber types glass negatives those are all considered wet plate photography Mm -hmm. so in the same way that wet plate photography is difficult cumbersome uses a lot of chemicals blah 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 so same with daguerreotypes except daguerreotypes also use mercury which is like not great and i think If I'm not mistaken, are a couple there are a couple more steps that make it a little more difficult. So back in the day, um, they figured that out, but then they figured out the wet plate process, and that allowed you to sort of thus allowed you to turn around the image a little quicker. Mm -hmm. So I could sit in a room, take your photo, and 20 minutes later have you walking out with an image where they don't think that was the case with daguerreotypes Mm -hmm. from sort of a visual perspective, a lot of times you can tell a a daguerreotype is a daguerreotype because it has it's on a polished, like, metal surface so if you move it, it can sometimes look like a negative and it it gets sort of weird and ghostly when you're sort of Mm -hmm. moving it on the plane the difficulty comes in too, though, when some tintypes get tarnished over time um, just because, like, you know, they didn't have the chemicals Mm. totally worked out at the time and so sometimes when tintypes tarnish, they end up sort of taking on a little bit of a look that's similar to daguerreotype on top of the fact that both can be placed in cases like leather bound and have sort of these beautiful gold mm-hmm. frames in them. They're, they're gorgeous. So I feel like a lot of times people just see that case and for whatever reason end up like calling it a daguerreotype, whether or not it actually mm-hmm.
0: is. Yeah, because I've always been told like daguerreotypes are reflective. Yeah, 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 and that's, where and that's it, yeah. Mm-hmm. When you move it,
1: and like if you see it at a certain angle, yeah, you'll sort of see a negative in there. But it gets weird because the wet plate process, you can make class negatives, and I mean they're separate things. Mm-hmm. But especially in in modern times, we're not looking into the sort of minutia of those differences. Mm-hmm. It's all just like old stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, they're they're both very cool.
0: Was it primarily ambrotypes or? Was it tintypes that they would add color to?
1: I think it was primarily tintypes. I...
0: Because I'm just thinking of the, like, Civil War... Yeah, with the Mm -hmm. cheeks and sometimes the dresses.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was, um, the the man, John Coffer, he sort of mentors me in this Mm -hmm. process. He has, I don't know, I think the one that I'm thinking of is, like, maybe 24 by 24, something Mm -hmm. around that, which is gigantic for this process. But it's just a picture of birch trees in the wintertime so like a lot of white and he went in and colored the trees and it's like the most gorgeous thing so like just that little hint of color can sometimes make an image
0: i know the library of congress has a whole bunch of civil war photography Mm -hmm. Um, i believe it's on their Flickr page where you can just go through and see photos of soldiers or Mm -hmm. like soldiers and their wives and people with occupations Mm -hmm. Um, because i always love the old photos of people in professions with like the tools of their trade
1: yeah i actually just got a book it's about like occupational syntax. Mm-hmm. i can't wait to like dive into it
0: yeah i love trying to figure out what their occupation was from what's yeah. around them
1: <laughs> <laughs> do you
0: have any memorable experiences from the project as a whole
1: all of the interviews that we did i came away with something different
0: mm-hmm.
1: everyone was special in its own way you know you had people sharing their their work experiences, mm-hmm. their personal experiences, their grief, their loss, things that they felt they triumphed in, like all this stuff. It was never lost on me the um, the importance of that and the sort of gratitude that I had for people. Just like, because the fact of the matter is, like, if nobody wanted to be interviewed, I wouldn't have a project. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, when you ask me from memorable experiences, one of the first things that comes to mind is I was uh, talking with a a group of people who worked at a travel plaza um, during the pandemic. And, you know, we had a wonderful conversation about what it was like and how eerie it Mm -hmm. was and supporting truckers and trying to get, they were trying to get um, stuff out to people and be a resource and all this kind of stuff. But then at the end, I asked them, you know, what's something that, you want people to know 50 years from now. And it it like it honestly kind of broke my heart because like they're like, well, we just want people to like understand that this is this is a valuable profession. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just like pumping gas and it's not this is not exclusively for people who have not found a better job. Um, Because at the end of the day, without people running the gas stations, the travel plazas, stuff like that, even the fast food restaurants, Mm -hmm. like, that would impact our daily lives in ways that, like, I think a lot of people maybe don't really recognize day Mm -hmm. to day. And to have these people share that with me, especially after, like, after going through COVID and at the time there was, like, that big push for, like, essential workers. Mm -hmm. like okay, so, like, we're an essential worker, but, you know, we're also not really considered as you know as valuable in the workforce as somebody who maybe works in an office or Mm -hmm. or something like that
0: on like a cultural level yeah yeah
1: yeah. and i don't know yeah we just like we need people to do all the jobs Mm -hmm. and yeah just really it just really broke my heart because i could imagine after you know, a year, year and a half, whatever, of working in a public-facing position, mm-hmm. to how exhausting that must be, and then also just sort of having this feeling of maybe not, like, feeling seen and appreciated in a way that meant something, mm-hmm. you know? And then there's also, to sort of bring it back to a little bit of a lighter note, because that, that was a little, that was one of, that was one of <laughs> the, sad, the sadder um, interviews, at least for me, I was like, oh. Yeah. But there was, there was a gentleman, and you know, I guess sort of context is key, but there was a lot going on in his life. We asked him a similar question, like, like what's something you'd want sort of everyone mm-hmm. to know? Very quickly, very matter-of-factly, very plainly, everything's going to be okay, you know? It, it may take some time, and it may wax and wane between here and there, you know, but, and just sort of hearing somebody who's actively going through all this stuff have the faith that like things will get better, and that even if it doesn't for a little bit, or it changes, or you know, having having openness and space for that like nuance of mm-hmm. things not being good all the time, I was like, oh, I, I end up thinking about that like a lot.
0: Yeah, sometimes it's just comforting to have somebody matter of factly like, just be like, things will be okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And
0: it does a world of good mm-hmm. like to your own mentality too.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think, and especially like for whatever reason in that moment. Even though he wasn't speaking to me in that way, yeah. he was speaking to me, and I was like, this, "I needed that."
0: Yeah. <laughs> Are there any details that you can share about the gallery exhibit Absolutely. yet? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the gallery, the exhibition will be at Marywood University. It'll be in March of next year. It'll be up, you know, for about mm-hmm. two weeks. Uh, we'll have an opening. And I'm hoping to have some copies of the book there. But yeah, more details about that will be coming probably in the new year. Okay.
0: And where can people find more information, contact you if they have any questions, anything like that?
1: So you can find us uh, on Instagram at uh, Lackawanna Tintype. Uh, You could also email me if you had any questions, thoughts, anything like that uh, at lackawanna tintype at gmail.com.
0: Well, thank you for agreeing to be interviewed today. next week since it is thanksgiving we won't be having an episode of tales from the albright but we'll be picking it back up in the first week of december if you have any questions comments concerns or anything at all please email me at aloney at that is a l o n e y at albright.org you can also call the library at 570-348-3000 thank you